You are now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be talking about whether Joel Embiid belongs in the group of the all-time greats. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today, we will be dissecting the win over the Orlando Magic, whether Joel Embiid belongs with the greats, as he so claims, and more Ben Simmons trade talk. I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, and I'm joined by the OG Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's going on, man? Hey, what's poppin', man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We are still here at the Wells Fargo Center uh, after the Sixers knocked off the Orlando Magic 123 to 110. Um, Keith, obviously the story is going to be Joel. Uh, I mean, I feel like he was just absolutely dominant uh, just all night from the beginning to the end. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was. It was It was crazy because in the first quarter he scored 28 at 25 points. At one point he had 20 points. The Sixers had two, his teammates, right? Um you know, it, it was like he shot 8 for 10 from the field, and they shot 2 for 11, his teammates. So it was one of those things where they needed him to score for them to be in the game. And let's face it, there was a time when the Sixers were down, what, like 10 points to this team? Um, so, you know, the, the, the Sixers really needed Joel to score 50 points in order for them to win this game. I know it was a blowout, but towards the end, but it was one of those things where, you know, I felt as if the Sixers really needed Joel to win this game. Yeah, and that's kind of the most disappointing thing about this thing, uh, about the win for me, Keith, is the fact that, sure, Joel was dominant. You, as you said, he had 20 points in the first quarter. He even scored 23 more points in the third quarter. He had 50 for the night, shot 7 for 23, 15 for 17 from the free throw line. He also pulled out 12 rebounds and had three blocks. And he was a plus 24 on the night. Like, that. that's insane. Um but the thing is, and and you mentioned it, the fact that they needed Joel to score 50 points to beat the team with the worst record in the league and the Orlando Magic, Keith, that just kind of screams to me that uh, just th- that this team really just isn't all that good outside of Joel. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, I, like we talked about yesterday, this team, it, it tends to trend. Like when you think that they're not that good and then all of a sudden someone steps up. You know, I, I think the thing with the 76ers, um, before the game, you know, uh, Howard Eskin asked uh, uh, Doc Rivers about with the trade deadline being three weeks away, what do they need? And he, like, said, hey, I, I really – I know we need some things, but I'm not focused on that, yada, yada, this and that. Well, basically what this team it proves that they need is something we talked about before. They need a consistent – go-to player they need someone to take all the pressure off of Joel and again and we talked about this before you know Maxi does it some nights uh Tobias does it some nights Seth Curry does it other nights but what they need is they need someone that they can depend on who is going to do it every night and and that's what they need and that's the reason why Joel Embiid had to score what 50 points for them to um to, to basically, you know, win a game. Like, there was a point in the third quarter when Joel scored uh, 
that step back three. He had 47 points. They had 92 points. So it was kind of like Joel had more points than his teammates at that time. It was crazy, you know? Yeah, just it, it was a really just – I mean, it was a dominant performance by Joel. I mean, there's obviously, like, no other way to really put it. Um, but, yeah, and, and I guess I shouldn't say the rest of his team really isn't all that good because, I mean, the Sixers are 26-18, and 18, and this is a team game. It's not just Joel. Um, but just it really does kind of seem like the fact that they needed 50 to beat the Magic is just crazy to me, especially, Keith, when you consider the fact that Mo Bamba, of all people. Bamba is a good player. I like him. But the fact that he scored 28 points in the first half – and he shot seven for eight from three. I don't know if that's a Sixers issue. Is that a game plan issue? Is that just Mo Bamba coming out of the blue and being like, oh, hey, this is what I can do? This, I'm not really sure what exactly to make of that Mo Bamba performance. But they held him to four points in the second half. Yeah, they held him to four points in the second half. And, and basically, you know, Mo Bamba, you know, you got to give him credit for making those threes, shooting seven out of, out of eight. But, boy, were they like workout threes. And what I mean by that is when you see a guy do a workout pregame, it's like just him and the ball. There's no defender. He's just up there shooting. Mo Bamba was wide open. I mean, he was open. So they adjusted a little bit. And, you know, and, and the thing I will say this about Mo Bamba, you remember a couple years ago how Embiid used to always troll him and say stuff and get physical with him. Now, again, they are boys. They are friends. But I think that Mo Bamba gets motivated when he plays against Embiid because he doesn't want to get embarrassed, and he gives, he brings it, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and I feel like the two of them will continue to go at it, like on social media. They'll, they'll make an Instagram post or a Twitter post, something like that. Um, the win improves Philadelphia to 26-18. and 18. And I think heading into this game, Keith, I think the Sixers were the number six seed in the East. They might have moved up with this win. I'm not entirely sure. We'll probably check that on that in a minute. But, uh, I mean, the Sixers right now, they're, they're in a pretty solid spot. But I feel like these next couple of games will really kind of show the Sixers or, or show us who the Sixers really are, right? I mean, they played the Los Angeles Clippers Friday. And even though they don't have – Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, you know, they're still a tough team with Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson playing well. And, um, you know, like that, that'll be a tough game. They got to go on the road to San Antonio. Spurs aren't that good. They've been struggling a bit, but with to win and to go into San Antonio is pretty tough. But then they got games at home with the Pelicans, the Lakers, um, uh, the Kings are coming up, the Grizzlies are coming up, the Wizards are coming up. So I feel like these these next stretch of games will uh, kind of really show a little bit more about who the Sixers really are. Yeah, it, it, you're 100% right. I mean, but then you know, I look at all these games, you know, I, I, you look at the 76ers schedule and, and you say, you know, okay, they got to play at home where, where they kind of struggle. Like they've been a better team on the road. But you look at these games and you say to yourself, like, Okay, this Clippers game is going to be tough, and but 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 these are games that you think that they should be able to win. I mean, you look at the, the again is it is is it going to be a telling one? Um, but you look at the Clippers, but then you look at San Antonio, New Orleans, the uh, the Lakers sack. You know, I, I can see maybe sack in Memphis. I, I can see what the next one, two, three, four, five games. I can see them going at least three and two. Now, the only problem with the Sixers team is, and something you point out, tough. It's like, like I keep saying, the trending thing. When there are games where you think that they're supposed to win and they don't. And like today, you know, today was 
one of those things where they were down by 10 at the half against the team, the, the worst team in the league. So, you know, yeah, this is going to be a telling thing, but if they do what they're supposed to do, you know, I, I believe they should be able to win these games if they do what they're supposed to do. Right, but as we talked about before on here, you never really know if the Sixers are going to do what they're supposed to do. Um, I feel like th- I feel like they should have blown out Orlando. Um, and, and, I f- and I know the Magic are still filled with NBA players. You look it up and down that roster, even though they're dealing with injuries, Mo Bamba's a good player. Franz Wagner's been one really impressive rookie. got to give him credit. Uh, Cole Anthony's a good player in this league. I like Terrence Ross and Chuma Okiki and Robin Lopez and all that. But the fact that Joel scores 20 points in the first quarter, he had 24 at halftime, he had 23 in the third quarter, Keith, and it just it really just kind of seems like this game should have been a blowout just because of the way Joel was playing. It should have been. It should have been. But but I also think he was playing. He had to play that way in order for them to win. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Like You right. know what I mean? It got to a point where it's like, whoa, nobody's making shots. You know, let me let let me let me do this. Like, you know, he scored what? He scored twenty points in the first quarter and twenty three in the third quarter. Right. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Like he just took over those quarters, and and you know, even with the the first quarter, it wasn't like, you know, they 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 were up twenty five to twenty one, you know, and then like you look at the third quarter and you say to yourself, okay. Now, in the third quarter is when they kind of, like, blew it away. But, you know, it was 47 to 23. But he had 23 points. So he basically scored the same amount of points as as the Magic did. So, yeah, you're right. They should have blown him out. But at the same time, for him to score all those points, unfortunately, on this night, he had to do it. Yeah, and I feel like that's definitely going to be something that's going to really be an issue uh, down the line with this team. Uh, coming up next, Joel Embiid after the game said that he belongs in the same group as a guy like Shaq, Dirk, Kobe, Michael. We'll discuss all of that, but first, let, let's hear from Bet Online AG. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. Looking ahead to the divisional round of the playoffs, I like the Cincinnati Bengals as a plus three and a half point underdog against the Tennessee Titans. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen in to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. All right, Keith. So Joel Embiid after the game said that he thinks he could do the same things as Shaq and Dirk and Kobe and MJ and pretty much all the NBA greats. Now, Joel Embiid is obviously a very talented player. We understand that what he can do at seven feet tall, he can handle the ball, shoot a three-pointer, get into the paint, draw fouls, all the nine yards. But he's also got to be able to win something before he can really go into that conversation. Well, and that's something that he also said, too. Right, he said, right. I got to be able to win it. And I understood what he said 100%. Like, right. now, like for instance, you know, um, you know, it, it, it was basically where uh, – 
Tyrese Maxey said to him, uh, just giving a little bit of background right. to, for the re, uh, for the listeners. Tyrese Maxey said, who are you going to be? Are you going to be Shaq or are you going to be D- Kobe? I mean, excuse me, are you going to be uh, Dirk? And then B was like, I'm going to be me. And he said, because I feel like I got, you know, those guys in me. And he's right. Like, I feel about those two. Now, again, he's not as powerful and as opposing as Shaq is. Shaq had more girth to him. Shaq was more of a, a post player than, than Embiid is. Now, Embiid can play in a post, but Shaq was always in there, right? So when you look at that, you can say, okay, he could be a dominant guy, but then also, like Dirk, he can shoot from the perimeter. Now, I, I when he said, like, I'm like Kobe and MJ and all that, I had to, like, do a double take, like, whoa, did he just say that? And then, But then when I listened to it, he was just saying, like, with some of his skills that he can do, like a guard and stuff like that. So I totally understand it. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those statements that where people are going to, like, blow it up and, like, whoa, did this guy say that? But the one thing that he did say is, but you have to win a championship to do that. Right. You know, you have to. And, you know, he's a dominant player, you know, and, and he doesn't lack confidence. We know that one. But, uh, you know, it, it was one of those things where I understood exactly where he's coming from. It was a great soundbite. Right, <laughs> People are right. going to air it. They're going to play it. But, yeah. No, I completely understand what he was saying as well. And, you know, he did acknowledge it because it was right after. He was like, yeah, I got to win an MVP. I got to win a defensive player of the year. I got to win a championship. If I really want to be in the same, you know, pantheon and the same group as those types of players. I think he's got the talent, Keith, especially when you consider the fact that at seven feet tall, he, the way the things that he can do, um, you know, Euro step into the lane and, and throw down a dunk, um, being able to have elite footwork in the post and be able to knock down a fadeaway jump shot, being able to knock down three pointers even to continue to get to the free throw line the way he does. Uh, and then even on the defensive end, Keith, like he doesn't just dominate games on the offensive end. I feel like even on the defensive end as a guy who he's a, a great rim protector, he's good at switching off in the pick and rolls. Um, you know, he even mentioned, uh, you know, after Mo Bamba had such a huge game, he said, listen, second half, I made adjustments. We were able to just kind of switch up the defensive scheme a little bit. And the fact that he's seven feet tall, able to do that, that that's that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it, it's extremely impressive. Um, you know, uh, you know, but but he, he's right. Like, you know, they did they did uh, make some adjustments. They 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 kind of shut him down. Like again, like we said, those threes that he was making, it was like warm up threes. Like, there was nobody around him. You know what I mean? He was just doing whatever he could. But yeah, it, it, what Embiid does is impressive. Yeah, and and like the thing is though, like you can see it. Like he he definitely takes different aspects of all those players, right? Um, I know you saw the video Drew Hanlon posted on social media. I think Joe Well reposted it to his Instagram um, of him pretty much imitating the moves of a Kobe Bryant, uh, of a Michael Jordan in the in the post with the with the shake and everything else. And now Coach Doc Rivers even compared him to Hakeem Olajuwon, which is a guy he gets compared to all the time because of the footwork in the post. I feel like he does, you know, if, if there was anybody who was close to Hakeem Olajuwon, it's Joel Embiid. Now. Doc also brought up Kevin Garnett. I don't. I don't really see any KG in uh, Joel's game. Nah, I don't either. I don't either. I mean, I I, I don't like. You know, I, I see. Yeah, I, I I don't. I may need to go check out some more KG and stuff <laughs> like that. Maybe it's kind of some of the intangibles he has, or you know, the mentality or something like that. 
but I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and maybe maybe defensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah could be, could you, be. You know, like like maybe he's just talking about, you know, Joe Wall just as a defensive player, and if he is, then yeah, sure, because the fact that they can, you know, dominate a game on the defensive end the way Joel can and, and the way Garnett was able to, um, it's impressive. I, I guess, like, the biggest thing for me, Keith, is the playoffs, right? Because because obviously we've seen Joel have huge games in, in the playoffs, but when you look at what, what he's done in the, in the postseason, there have been plenty of times where it's just like, for example, the game seven against Atlanta, right? I think he had a huge game in, in that game statistically, but there were just moments here and there where he could have stepped up a little bit more in order to get it done in game seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and that's why, you know, I guess that's the beauty of it all and to where, you know, we'll get to see what he can do now. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, and also last year, we remember, I mean, he did have a messed up knee too. Right, right. You know what I mean? So that kind of impacted some things. But, um, you know, because at first he was looking like a beast until he messed his knee up. But um, you know we'll, we'll you know we'll see we'll see like he, he no but that's why he also needs some help. I mean you look at it. Last year, Tobias was struggling in the playoffs. Right. You know Ben Simmons, you know was struggling. They had to take him out of games. He was put doing hack a Ben. They was doing all that other stuff. So I think a lot of the pressure on him like Steph, uh, Danny Green got injured at that point. Danny Green was one of their better. Th- three and D guys. So I feel like, you know, he had uh, Seth Curry and he had Tyrese Maxey contributing. But outside of that, it was like, can you carry us? And it's tough carrying a guy, a team, against a quality team. You know what I mean? No, I yeah. agreed, agreed. And, and you know, just, just to go back to Joel saying that, like, you know, I got to win MVP, championship, and all that stuff. Speaking of MVP this year, Considering everything that's going on with this team, from the Ben Simmons situation to the injuries to COVID and everything else in between, Keith, um, should he be like a front runner for MVP this year? You know, we're 44 games into the year now. I mean, he can. Yeah, I think he can. I, I think he, he he should. The problem is though, people are going to look at it like, dude, your team is six in the East. You know what I mean? Like that's what they're going to say. But the the numbers he's putting up are, are like amazing. You know now. Like, I honestly personally think that, you know, my MVP is Kevin Durant at this at this particular time. Now, I know he's injured and he's out and whatnot, but before he was before he became injured, I felt like he was the guy. Like it was his it was his to lose. So but yeah, I think Embiid is playing well. So how do you feel? Do you feel like he should be MVP candidate? I think he should be in the conversation, but again, it kinda depends on how Philadelphia finishes the season. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, go, it's going to take a lot of the Sixers continuing to move up the standings. Um, going into the night, they were the number six seed, but now they moved up to number five with the win and a Cavaliers loss to the Chicago Bulls earlier. So now Philadelphia's fifth. If they can continue to keep pushing and, and keep moving up in the standings, Keith, then who knows? Right now, my MVP is also Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, I mean, Kevin Durant has just been absolutely uh, incredible. The things that he does out on the floor. And, you know, Brooklyn's dealing with their own adversity, too, with the Kyrie Irving stuff and, you know, everything going on with injuries up there in Brooklyn. 
So, and, and they're the uh, number three seed in the East up there with the Miami Heat and the Chicago Bulls. So, yeah, my, my MVP would be Durant. But, I mean, listen, I think you asked him the question out there, I mean, uh, in the game. Joel, if he didn't get hurt in 2021, he probably wins MVP that year. Yeah. Could, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, now, we're, you know, it's funny. The Joker did have a great a great season. Like, he of played course. in all the of games. Course. And I think, yeah. I think that was kind of like the deciding factor. Like, okay. Yeah, you had yeah, Joe. You put up some scoring numbers, but the Joker put up great numbers, comparable numbers. Some people may argue a little bit better than yours, um, but at the same time, he played in every game. Right, and I think that gave him the deciding factor. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely. I, I like. I definitely agree. I feel like that was definitely the big factor, like in everything. Um, just and he even said it after he goes the biggest thing with me is health i mean as long as i can stay healthy man then uh, like i'll be fine like i'll be good uh coming up next we we are going to talk about uh more ben simmons trade rumors are the sacramento kings getting involved we'll get into all of that uh coming up right out right after we talk about our advertiser All right, Keith. Another another day, another Ben Simmons trade rumor. Um, you, you know, just leading up to the trade deadline, as we all know, the deadline is February tenth. It's now January twentieth, so we're less than a month away from the deadline. About roughly three weeks or so. Um, I'm just going to ask you straight up: If you were a betting man, uh, does Ben Simmons get moved at the deadline? Nope. <laughs> not if I was a better man. Nah, nah, I don't. I don't think so. No, nah, I, I don't think so either. It just it really doesn't look like uh, anything's really moving. Like like you know on that front, it just it doesn't look like the Sixers are going to back down from their high asking price. I mean, um, they're they're going to continue to ask for a top twenty five player in return for Ben. Uh, and then they're also they also want to bring him back, Keith. They want to have him back out on the floor with this team to to try to continue to win a title because I think both of us know Ben Simmons makes the Sixers better yeah well he he does but he he does make them better but you know my thing is like I mean you know you, you want him back out on the floor like that ship has sailed man like right, right. you know what I mean it's one of those things where you know bro you hopped in the wrong Uber you're heading in the, the wrong direction <laughs> you, they're not going to take you back to that spot and the Uber's going to be sitting there waiting for you. You got to get in a new one, right? Right. Like, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, uh, you know, here's the thing. Like, you know, the 76ers have, you know, they said they set the bar high like you like you said. They want a top 25 player, caliber player. There are going to be teams right now that aren't willing to give them what they want just because those teams are looking at the Sixers and saying, oh, oh hold up now, this guy – didn't show up, he, he's not here, he's not at the games, and you want me to give you great things so he can, you know, be that guy? Oh, nah, player, no, no, that's not working. Right. So teams aren't trying to do it, and then until a couple teams come out and say they will do it, then the other team still aren't. So I just feel like right now, we look at this 76ers team, it's a team that if you say, okay, if – can we go there and get a couple pieces, and will these pieces be able 
to turn us into the NBA champion team or a team that's coming out of the East. And if you say no, then you might as well hold on for him, to him until you can get that person. Right. And, you know, like, they're the, like the Sacramento Kings, for example. Like, they've always kind of been that team that kind of hop, popped up here and there. Like, oh, De'Aaron Fox is available. Oh, De'Aaron Fox isn't available now. Or what about Tyrese Halliburton? Is he available? So it's kind of been like a back and forth thing. But in, in, in your opinion, I mean, like, I know there was, there was a latest report that the Kings now aren't making De'Aaron Fox available. But if you were to trade Ben Simmons to the Sacramento Kings, would, would you accept De'Aaron Fox in return for Ben? I don't think so because I, I think that it, you know, I think like if your goal right now is to go out there and get a Dame Lillard type of player or a Bradley Bill type of player, um, you know, that type of dude, I don't know if you, you getting De'Aaron Fox, is he going to be your starter or your backup? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, and then, you know, they want, basically they want whoever that, assuming they get a perimeter player, He's probably going to be a ball-dominant player, and they're going to have a two-man game, and basically you want a bunch of shooters around them. You know, De'Aaron Fox isn't quite a shooter. He's a scorer. So I could understand that. Like, he just doesn't fit in for what they're trying to do, you know, right now. Um, Now, it's kind of funny because, you know, the Sixers have always said that, you know, they don't want De'Aaron Fox. Right, so it's like okay, now Sack isn't making him available, but it's not like he was somebody the Sixers wanted anyway, if that makes sense. Right. Um, according to sources, but so it, it, it's it, it's right now this whole thing is crazy because you look at it and you don't know what to believe at times, just because it is ever changing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And. A lot of times, teams will acquire about players. They'll say what they want. They'll say what they don't want. But we'll really find out stuff on February the 8th, February the 9th, and February the 10th. Because that's when, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, now it's, now you got to, you know, shut up, put up or shut up. And, right. You know what I mean? So I, I think that we'll learn more closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, that's always something that will be worked out over the next, you know, couple of weeks. It's, you know, this team still has about three weeks left. I do agree with you. I wouldn't trade for De'Aaron Fox either, Um, especially from everything that I've heard as well. And I know you're obviously much more well-connected than I am, but I've also heard through the grapevine that, like, they're not very all that interested in De'Aaron Fox. So as the Sixers move forward – I mean, another option I was thinking of is maybe they trade De- De- for De'Aaron Fox but then flip him in the offseason for, you know, a top 25 player. But, I mean, I agree with you. I don't, I don't like De'Aaron, Fo- De'Aaron Fox's potential fit on this roster. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's a scorer. He's not much of a shooter. And that's an issue that can, you know, pop up, especially when you're playing next to Joel Embiid. The guy re- relies so much on being able to have space down low to be able to operate and continue to continue to do what he does. So that's an issue. That's going to be something that always pops up when it comes to any potential trade target. And as the Sixers move forward and as Daryl Morey and Elton Brand continue to figure out what to do with uh, this Ben Simmons situation, you know, they've got to continue to figure out like what, what type of value they really want in return to put next to Joel and continue to push forward. Now, the, ne- the next thing that I was really kind of thinking of here is 
when when you make this trade, Keith, are you trading for a perimeter guard, or are you making a trade maybe for a wing player because of the way Tyrese Maxey's been developing? I mean, it, it, it's, it's wow. That's a great question. I mean, me, I, I think when it comes down to that, it is basically like best player available at that point. Okay. But if that like if that wing guard wing player is like exceptional, you know, you still may have to go out there and get like a pure point guard. But but like let let's face it, they got a guy. I'm just throwing his name out there, like a guy like James Harden, right? Okay. He's not really a point guard, but he plays point guard. Right. And he plays it well, like you know, like or if you get a guy like Jimmy Butler, for instance, who's a wing player, he's a small forward a, a swingman right and him and him and joel will work out well together although you know but because but those two guys are the type of players who they're not pure point guards but they're ball dominant players who have the ball in their hands and that will work out so i think when it comes down to it best player available now the preference is let me get a guard who can get his own shot but he makes other players better. That's the preference. Right. But at the same time, like, I mean, we, we look at it, the only guy who people we were talking about in that aspect is Dame Lillard yeah. as a point guard. Right. You know, people brought up Bradley Bill. He's a two guard. People bringing up James Harden. He's a two guard. You, you understand what I'm saying? But he's playing, but, they, but, but he plays the point right now. So that's why I said to me, it's all about best player available. Now, what, what's your thoughts on that? I completely agree. The best player available. You have to. Um, like, no matter what pops up. And I mean, I'm, I'm still in the camp that they're not going to get a Damian Lillard, Keith, because I know we talked about it before. And, and, and sure, it could just be Dame talking up to, for the media, like, oh, no, I, I love Portland and everything else. But it really does kind of seem like, Keith, that like he's so hell-bent on trying to win in Portland, like maybe the way Giannis stayed in Milwaukee. You know what I'm saying? He stayed in Milwaukee, ended up winning a title there. And Dame maybe wants to do the same thing in Portland. Like That's just kind of the vibe I get when we talk about Damian Lillard. And the same goes for Bradley Beal um, in Washington. It really just kind of seems like he is just never going to leave Washington, right? So I feel like you're not, I feel like you're not going to get either of those guys – and if you can't get James Harden, then, yeah, you have to go best player available. Um, but then, I mean, it, it just it goes up to show you, like, the wing players at that point maybe, like, aren't what they're looking for. So they have a lot to figure out over these next couple of weeks. All right, everybody, thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. For the OG Keith Pompey, I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On 76ers.